Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. been teased tonight about whether or not we should do this or whether or not we should be watching the debate. And I'd just like to go on record in saying there is no way that this time together can be worse than the debate. I mean, if I get up here and lie to you for 45 minutes, at least it was only for 45 minutes. They'll lie for the next two hours at the debate. So we're cutting that in half, if nothing else. But I, I hope... I hope not to be lying to you for the next 45 minutes. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, we're thankful for uh, the week that you've given us, the safety that you've given us, the health that allows us to be here tonight. I do pray that you would bless our time together, that you would bless the effort to preach your word, and God, that you'd help us to consider it however we need. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know that you know this, but for the last several weeks, we have been looking at Paul responding to answer or to questions that were submitted to him uh, by Corinthian believers. We know that many different subjects have been talked about or addressed, but it was two weeks ago that the question came up that Paul began to address as to whether or not it was lawful or okay for them as believers to eat meat unto idols. And essentially what Paul said very simply was this, yes, it is okay but then he elaborated and said, it is only okay so long as it does not cause anyone to stumble, so long as it does not cause someone who is also a believer to do something that violates their conscience. He said, if you do that, then your actions, though in and of itself it is okay, you have then sinned against Christ. And what he said to them in relation to that was, he would not eat meat and let the world stand by rather than to be a stumbling block or an offense to a fellow believer. Then last week we began looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the first 12 verses, and watched as Paul elaborated on that same point, that same principle, and what he said was this, is that as an apostle or that as a minister of the gospel, he was entitled to certain things and others were entitled to certain things. They were entitled to and they, uh, they qualified, so to speak, uh, for financial compensation for their labor and for their toil in the ministry. And yet as all this was said and as all this was explained by the Apostle Paul, what he said was this, is that he let go of what he was entitled to and he did not force the issue or demand it because he did not want to do anything that would hinder the gospel of Christ. And so last week I tried to remind us that many things are within our rights to do, but sometimes though it is within our rights, it can hinder the gospel. And we struggle with that sometimes, do we not, if we're honest? Because we want to say, well, it's my right, and it's not my fault that they're stumbling over this. But if it's going to hinder the work of Christ, then we need to be willing to set it aside and say it's just not that important. All right, and so that's what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. It's not always about my rights. It's not always about what I'm entitled to. We do have to think about others. Tonight we're going to look at a few more verses. We'll not finish the chapter tonight. We'll do that next week, God willing. But I want us to think about something. It's a principle that I want us to think about uh, by way of a story, okay? 
I, I know that you're not interested in this. And I've said that a lot lately, but I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with stories that I think you really care about, okay? But here's another story you don't care about, but there's a principle in this that I want you to consider. Most of you know that I have an older brother in the Oklahoma City area. He is four years older than me, and most of you know who he is, but you don't know him real well. So something you either would not know about him or would not remember is several years ago, he got kind of careless with the way that he took care of himself. And so he put on the weight and he had quite the pot belly going. All right, so he gained some weight and we have a couple of pictures that we still like to look at and laugh at and, and I at least get a kick out of what his physique looked like. And so that was several years ago, eight, nine, ten years ago. I don't know exactly what it would have been. But a few years ago, my brother got tired of how he looked. I don't know what prompted it. I don't know what clicked in his head. But he got tired of how he looked, and so he changed his diet. He changed his eating habits. He began exercising. He began controlling his portions. He began pushing away from the table earlier than he used to, and the pounds began to drop, and now my brother is skinny. So now he has gone from a larger version of himself to a skinnier version of himself. We know how that works, just most of us don't do it anyways. I think most of you know that I like to eat. I've been honest about that in years past and in sermons past. I like to eat, and whenever we go to Oklahoma City to spend time with family, I don't know what it is about going to my parents' house, but eating is more fun. Because mom is going to make you what you like, and mom is going to have the desserts that you like, and, and everything is going to be catered around you. And so there have been times that just the idea of going to dad and mom's house is exciting, not to see them, but because of the food that will be available to me. And so we always get together, my parents, my family, and my brother's family, we always get together, and we always have meals together, and here is my brother, exercising portion control, cutting back and saying no thank you to that second piece of dessert. He's exercising all of this discipline. He is exercising all of this self-control. And you know what I'm doing? Yeah, I'll take seconds. Yes, I'd love to have more. Yes, Mom. Yes, when are we eating again? That's what I'm doing. And my brother, again, is just pushing away and saying, no, thank you, and, and, and I'll be fine, and Mom, you know I'm cutting back and things like that. So guess what my brother did without ever saying a word to me? He did two things. He challenged me, and he convicted me. He never said a word. He never said, Kyle, you're really eating that much more? He never said, man, Kyle, you're getting a belly like I used to have. He's never said anything like that, but just with his example. He's challenged me, and he's convicted me. Now, this evening, I want us to think about that principle because I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in the presence of someone... And just by simply being in their presence, they challenged you to be a better person. Many times it has happened. 
And there are times that just by being in the presence of someone else, their example convicted us because when we were honest, we knew we could be doing better than what we're doing. Now, that could be true in our families. It could be true at work. It could be true in so many places. But I think tonight, if we're honest, it is also true, we would admit, that it is also true in our spiritual lives that there are times that we get around people and they have such a walk with God that you and I cannot help but be challenged by that testimony. It's not that they're challenging us. It's not that they're preaching at us. It's not that they're confronting us and saying, I cannot believe you do this or, or don't do this. You said this. You don't say this. But there are just times you are with someone and they have such an example and testimony of godliness, you cannot help but feel challenged. And you cannot help but feel some conviction because you and I know that we're not doing everything we could be doing. Have you ever just felt convicted by being around someone else? If you haven't, you need to change your company some because there are people out there who will do that to you. They will challenge you and they will convict you simply by their testimony. And I know that we know this, but I just want to say it as we get into the message. That's not a bad thing. It's not bad for us to be challenged. Well, I don't like that. No, it's a good thing for us. It's not a bad thing that we're convicted sometimes by the example and the testimony of someone else. It is a good thing, and it is a beneficial thing. Now, why do I say all that? Well, tonight I want us to consider the example and the testimony of the Apostle Paul. And though I don't think he's really trying to preach at the Corinthians rather than to explain some things to him, I don't know how they walked away from reading this portion of Scripture, but here's how I walked away from it. Challenged and convicted. Because I don't think the Apostle Paul was allowed to write something that was not true and it be preserved for us in the Scripture. So I think what is recorded in the Scripture would be true. What is said of the Apostle Paul in the Scripture would be accurate. Though Paul was not perfect, I think his testimony would be enough to convict and challenge most of us. So notice in verse number 19 what Paul says. He said, for though I be free from all men. Now, can I tell you that right now, that is a portion of Scripture and what we're about to look at, that is a portion of Scripture that people love to rip out of context. All right, everything that we're about to look at tonight, people want to rip out of context and they want to use this as as a defense for their Christian liberty. But he said in the first part of verse number 19, for though I be free from all men. What does that mean? It just means this. I am really free from the opinions and the judgments of all men. I am really not necessarily accountable to anyone else's thoughts or opinions of me. What people think of me, what people feel of me, how people view me, in the end, really, I am free from all that. And you and I tonight, we understand that to be true, do we not? That in the end, the only one that we have to please, and in the end, the only one that we have to concern ourselves with is what God thinks of us. 
So you may not like everything I do, and I may not like everything you do, and there may be times that we disagree on an approach to life, a philosophy of life, and yet there is this liberating truth to an extent that we don't have to worry about what each other thinks about everyone else, because at the end of the day, we do not serve as the conscience of everyone else, and we certainly do not serve as the Holy Spirit to everyone else, though sometimes we get confused and think God wants us to be the conscience and the Holy Spirit for everyone else. I thought you might agree with that. Maybe it's just my own struggle. Sometimes I want to be the conscience and the Holy Spirit of other people, but that's not my place and it's not your place. All right. So here is Paul and he says in verse 19, for though I be free from all men, he said, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Now, again, as I mentioned last week, some of Paul's thoughts seem contradictory in nature. Because in the first part he says that he has been free from all men, yet he has made himself willingly to become a servant unto all. What does that mean? It means this, to become subject to other people. So though I don't answer to you, Paul said, I will still submit myself to you. Though you are not my Holy Spirit and though you are not my conscience, I am going to go ahead and as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I will yield who I am to who you are. And so in the next few verses, here's what Paul is going to do. He's going to illustrate that thought. He is going to illustrate that position that he has taken For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Well, how do we know? Look there in verse 20. He said, And unto the Jews I became a Jew. Unto the Jews I became a Jew. And he says in the middle of the verse, To them that are under the law, as under the law. How many of us remember from our study of Hebrews that not every Jew in their day had made a clean break from Judaism to follow Christ. There were still those who identified themselves as Jews who would have been under the law that were still identifying themselves with Judaism, who were still following the law, who were still following the traditions. And here is what Paul says, Though I am free from all men... Here is what I have done to the Jew I have become as a Jew and to those who are under the law as under the law. And so what Paul was saying is this, that when he was with the Jews, when he was with those who would still be observing the traditions and the sacrifices and the ceremonies, Paul said, I would still engage in that and I would still do that with them. Paul didn't have to do that. Paul could have been eating a ham sandwich. Looking at fellow Jews saying, guys, this is ridiculous. You ought to taste some of this. But Paul was submitting himself to them. So though Paul had liberty, though Paul had freedom, though Paul had the ability to eat whatever he wanted, to say to the Jews, the ceremonies, the rituals, the the ordinances that you follow, it's all crazy and ridiculous and it's no longer necessary. Though he could have done that, he chose not to. He said in verse number 21, To them that are without law, as without law. 
What does that mean? Well, it means this, that there were times that the Apostle Paul was around Gentiles. There were those who were not Jews, who had not been raised under the law. There were those who had no real understanding or no real concern for the law. And here's what the Apostle Paul said, is that whenever he was with them, he lived like them. So whatever they were eating, he would eat. Whatever they were not observing by way of rituals, he would not observe. And, and, and so he said that whenever he was with those who were without law, that's how he lived. But I like how he clarified it. He said, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. What does that mean? It just means this, that Paul wanted them to know that he was not living this lawless, ungodly life when he was with those who were not under the law. He wanted it to be very clear that he still lived a Christian godly life in front of people who were not under the law like the Gentiles were not under the law. So you following this? He said, I am free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. So to the Jew, I am a Jew. And to those who are with the law or under the law, I am also under the law. To them that are without law as without law. And then to verse number 22, he said this. To the weak became I as weak. To the weak became I as weak. You know, don't you, that that's not a reference to physical strength. That would be a reference to someone's mental capacity or mental understanding of the things of God. All right, so here's the Apostle Paul, and I trust that we realize this, that the Apostle Paul could be pretty theological if he chose to. If you don't know that, read the book of Romans and you see that Paul was able to get pretty theological. And if you know anything about the ministry of the Apostle Paul, you know that he could get pretty deep. So much so where you're going, what? I don't know what you're trying to say, Paul. But to those who were weak, to those who were not as educated, to those who were not as learned, to maybe those who might be considered simple or, or, or maybe social outcasts to an extent, Paul said to the weak became I as weak. So here he is and he says to the Jew and to those who are under the law, that's what I became. To those who were not under the law, that is what I became, not one who was under the law. And to the weak became I as weak. What is Paul saying? He is saying this. I identified with the people I was around. So if he was with the Jew, he could be a Jew and he could observe the laws and he could go through the ordinances. He could do those things if necessary. And when he was over here, he could do this. And if he was with this group, he could do this. And somebody may say something like this. Doesn't that seem kind of like a chameleon? Doesn't that seem maybe like the Apostle Paul lacked some spine or lacked some backbone? That, that the Apostle Paul was not consistent? That the Apostle Paul was not the same way in every situation that he was in? And for anyone who would question the strength of Paul, they don't understand the significance of this text. 
Because the Apostle Paul is not by any means indicating some kind of weakness on his part where he flitters over here and he flitters over here and he flitters over here and he can't decide what he really was or who he really was. No, this entire portion of Scripture reveals the spiritual strength, not weakness, of the Apostle Paul. Because when he was with the Jew... He didn't have to force himself upon them to always be confronting them and how they're wrong and how they're messed up and what they're doing that they don't need to be doing and on and on. And when he was with the Gentile, he wasn't trying to force tradition and ritual and and sacrifices on them. And with the weak, he wasn't trying to belittle them and make them feel ignorant and silly or dismissing them because they couldn't understand No, the Apostle Paul reveals the strength that he had in his spiritual life by a willingness to identify with whomever he was with. Now in all of this, I want us to see something. There was a reason why Paul, who was free from all men, made himself servant unto all. Notice in verse number 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. For a specific reason. That I might gain the more. You understand what Paul's just said immediately? I could go do whatever I want to do. I could live however I want to live. I could say to anyone out there who would want to cast some kind of judgment or be critical of me in some manner, I could say to them, hey, listen, you're not my Holy Spirit and I don't have to worry about what you think and you're not my conscience and I'm not going to listen to you. The Apostle Paul could have stood up and declared his rights once more to whomever would try to criticize him or or make him feel guilty for who he was. But Paul said, I have made myself servant to every man, to all men, for this reason. That I might gain some. What is he talking about? He's talking about his desire to see people come to know Jesus Christ in a personal relationship with him. Here is what Paul knew, that if Paul held on to everything that he wanted to hold on to by way of his rights and his liberties and his freedoms and what was entitled to him, Paul knew that that would stand in the way of some coming to know Christ as their Savior. So here is Paul and he said, yes, I am free from all men. I can do whatever I want. But I am a servant unto all so that I might be able to gain the more so that there might be more who are saved. Notice in verse number 20, he said this to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Paul knew if he flaunted his liberty in front of a Pharisee, there would be no chance of a Pharisee accepting the message that Paul had to say. 
So he said to the Pharisee, I will be a Pharisee, or not to the Pharisee, but to the Jew rather, I will be a Jew. I, I Listen, I'm going to do what it would take so that I might gain them. Verse number 21, he said in the end, that I might gain them that are without law. Verse number 22, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made. Look there in verse number 22. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Paul's not talking about his personal ability to save people. You know that. But what he is saying is this. I am doing my best to be everything that everyone needs me to be so that hopefully at the end of the day, I may be able to see some people saved. And in verse number 23, he said, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partakers thereof with you. Paul, you have freedom. Paul, you have liberty. Paul, you have power. Paul, you can do what you want. And Paul would say, yes. But you don't understand. I don't want to hinder the gospel. What I'm trying to do when I am with the Jew is live in such a way that I would never be an offense to them so that at some point I might be able to gain them that are under the law. And and yes, I've got liberty, and yes, I've got freedom, but you don't understand. I don't want to hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when I am with someone who is without the law, here's what I want to do. I want to live in such a way that I would never offend them so that I might gain them that are without the law. Well, well, Paul, you have freedom to live however you want. I understand. But see, I don't want to hinder the gospel and I want to be able to minister to the weak so that at some point those who are weak might be gained. I want to do everything I can and I want to be all things to all men so that maybe, just maybe, I might be able to see some saved. I'm doing this for the gospel's sake, Paul said. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm doing this for the sake of the gospel. Now, for just a moment, I want to ask you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine tonight for just a moment that the Apostle Paul could be in our presence. I want you to imagine tonight for just a moment that the Apostle Paul somehow could be with us in the flesh tonight and we were going to get to spend the next week with him. He was going to shadow us and wherever we went, he was going to go. Wherever or whatever we did, he was going to do. Whoever we spent time with, that's who he was going to spend time with. He was going to be our shadow I wonder what his life would look like in that week that we spent together. I just wonder if he'd be talking about money as frequently as individuals tend to talk about money sometimes. 
I wonder if he had talked about our careers as much as we tend to worry about our careers. I wonder if he would worry about the homes we live in. I wonder if he would worry about the styles we're wearing. I wonder if he would worry about the economy. I wonder if he'd be all up in arms about the election right now. I wonder what he would be concerning himself with. Maybe I can't say this with certainty, but it seems like to me from what the Apostle Paul has said, you know what his number one concern would be if he were with us wherever we went for a week? His concern would be, I don't want to do anything that would hinder the gospel. And so if you take me over here, I'm going to do whatever it would take so as not to offend this person in your life because I want to be able to witness to them in hopes that I might gain some. Are you just being all wishy-washy, Paul? No, 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 you don't understand what I'm doing then. No, see, whenever I go with you to your family function, here's what I want to do. I want to make sure that I don't offend anyone, so here's what I'm going to try my best to do. I will try my best to fit in within the realm of Christianity, and I will not do anything that would, that would at all hinder the cause of Christ, because at the end of the day, it is all about the gospel. That is why I'm doing this. I don't care where you live. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what clothes you wear, what car you drive. I don't care about any of this. I don't care who's in the White House now, who will be in the White House in three weeks. That does not matter. What matters to me is trying to be a witness and an example and a testimony to those that you rub elbows with so that I might have a chance to see them get saved. Do you understand that that's what would be the concern of the Apostle Paul wherever he went with us? So if he went to one of our family functions, what he would want to be mindful of would be the lost people in the family. If he went to your work, what he would want to be mindful of would be the lost people at your work. If he stayed at our house for a week, he'd want to be mindful of the lost neighbor that we have. Paul would be consumed with doing whatever it took to give himself a chance to minister to the lost. Now, I want to ask you something tonight. How many times do our lives, and and hear me whenever I say that, our lives seem to stand in complete contradiction to what Paul's life stood for? I don't know about you, and and I know that this is somewhat repetitive, but I think we need this. I think sometimes if many of us were honest, maybe not all of us, but I think if many of us were honest, here's what we would have to admit the more time we spent with someone like the Apostle Paul. We tend to be a little bit selfish and more worried about the fact that we're free from all men rather than our need to become a servant to all men. I mean, why has the Christian motto become, it seems, judge not? Don't judge me. Hey, don't judge me. 
You can't tell me what to do. I'm 25 years old. I'm 30 years old. I'm 40 years old. I'm 50 years old. You can't tell me what to do. Why has that become the, the motto of so many believers? Because we're selfish. Because we're more concerned about our own personal agenda than we are about the agenda and the cause of Christ. And I think many times, if many of us would just be honest, we would have to say this. As I mentioned last week, we're not worried about hindering the gospel of Christ. And so many times, we're not even worried about yielding to what this person may be, or the position they may have, or whatever it is they are in life. We're not worried about making sure we're not an offense to them. We're going to be who we are. And if they don't like it, they can deal with it. And they're not my boss, and I don't answer to them. I think it's safe to say that if I had to spend a week with the Apostle Paul, even if he never spoke a word to me about it, I couldn't help but be challenged. And I could not help but be convicted. Because he had far more of a burden for souls than I generally have. Brother Kyle, you're just saying that. No, I'm not just saying that. Let me illustrate it. This may be another story that you're not real concerned about, but it's something that convicted me whenever the Lord was revealing this to me. Today I took Susie to lunch. And while we were sitting there and talking and just having a nice conversation. I looked up in time just to see two young men walking into the same restaurant we were in. Dirty, for lack of better words, gross. And as they walked in, I fixed my attention on them. Disgusted. It wasn't until well after lunch the Lord reminded me, did you know that both of those young men who were dirty and gross and nasty, both of them have souls that will spend eternity somewhere? You know what I was more concerned with? how gross they were, how inappropriate they were, and just their overall appearance. And I was just kind of turned off by all of it. I was just kind of grossed out by all of it. And, and I have to be honest and tell you, there was not this attitude within me that said, hey, I just want to do whatever I can do to try to be a help to them so that I might be able to win some. Can I ask you this evening to just be honest with yourself and answer the question, how many times do you fail to see people as a soul? How many times can we go throughout our days and we pass this person, we pass this person, and we pass this person, we pass this family, whatever it may be, and for whatever reasons, we are so wrapped up in our own personal lives, we're not even thinking about hindering the gospel because we're not even thinking about the gospel. 
wonder how many times the Apostle Paul would say something maybe like this. Hey, let's go talk to them. Talk to them about what? About the gospel. Oh, okay, I, 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 I guess you can talk and I'll just sit back and watch. Do you think you'd be challenged at all by the Apostle Paul to even have more awareness of souls? Can I ask you this? Are there times that when people come into your life, they are weak and we don't want to stoop to their level? Because that would be beneath us? Oh, Brother Kyle, hey, hey, listen. I just, I'm not comfortable with people like that. Who do we think we are? I mean, do we really think that we have arrived at such a point that we don't need to lower ourselves maybe to where some other people are at? And, and maybe they are dirty and maybe they are gross. Maybe they are very rough around the edges. Maybe they don't live the, the way that we live at all. And, and we are so concerned about us and, 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 you know, who we are that we wouldn't want to lower ourselves to that kind of a level. How dare us? Because the Apostle Paul didn't care who it was. I don't care if it's this Jew over here observing the law and the rituals and they've got everything in order, or if it's this Gentile over here and they don't do any of it, or if it's this weak, maybe social outcast that doesn't understand anything about this. Paul said, I don't care who it is. Why? Because my life centers around and my purpose in life is this, to point souls to Jesus Christ, whoever they are, wherever they are, and I'm telling you, if you're anything like me, you lose sight of that more than you care to admit. If we're not careful, any kind of spiritual conversation has to be perfectly wrapped and perfectly presented to us in order for us to take advantage of it. Well, I'm just praying for an opportunity. How much of an opportunity do we have to have? I mean, are we waiting for the Lord to nudge us and say, okay, now's the time? Sometimes I believe that is our position in life. Well, you know, I just, I didn't have peace. I just, you know, I didn't feel like, like I had the liberty to say anything. I, I understand that we've got to be careful, but let's be honest. Sometimes we, we hide behind that whole peace and open door line. What that really means is, is I don't care enough to worry about their soul like I need to be worried about it. I want you to understand tonight, and I trust that you do. If you don't understand it, you're probably not paying attention like you ought. I want you to understand tonight, I'm not preaching at any of us because you're the failure and why don't you do it like me and Paul. It's not at all what I'm trying to convey tonight. What I'm trying to convey to all of us tonight is this is we need to look and we need to be honest and we need to ask ourselves, how many times do we get so wrapped up in our own little world, we get so wrapped up in our own little lives, we're the ones who are worried about money and elections and cars and homes and careers and kids and grandkids. Whatever's going on, schedule this, schedule this, schedule this, whatever it is, how many times are we guilty 
of losing sight of the souls of men and women. And if we do remember, how many times are we so worried about being free from all men that we don't make ourselves servants to those men? Obviously, I don't know. You don't know. We'll never know till we get to heaven. But it might be interesting for us to consider the number of people who were turned away from Christianity because of the Christians they came into contact with. Because we didn't care if we were a hindrance. Because we weren't about to change who we were to try to be an effective witness to them. I just wonder. So I wonder as we consider the example, the testimony of the Apostle Paul, should we be challenged? I think we ought to be. Should we be convicted? Maybe. Probably. For most of us. We're free, but we should be servants. We should never lose sight of the souls of men and women. And everything about our existence should be, God, I want to be able to win some to you. Be all things to all men that I might by some means save some. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us tonight to be men and women who would allow ourselves to be challenged and maybe convicted by the example of the Apostle Paul. I know that 2,000 years ago he wasn't thinking about us. He wasn't dreaming of some night that a church would assemble. And yet if we just read his story and if we just consider his testimony in an honest fashion, we know that we should be challenged and we should be convicted. God, would you help us to have a burden for souls and to have such a burden that we are willing to change who we are so that we might be able to reach those around us. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.